Welcome to the Fabric Podcast, where we explore company culture and how it scales as a company grows. Brought to you by the team at The Receptionist, a bootstrapped Denver-based software company. Each episode of Fabric will set out to uncover unique and uncommon answers to the question, how do companies of any size create a culture and core values that employees actually live out? On this episode of the Fabric Podcast, we're joined by Jane Mays, Managing Partner at Pitch Lab, a company that helps client-facing teams differentiate themselves, build stronger relationships, and win more clients. Jay brings a background in stand-up comedy to his work at Pitch Lab and helps clients become more engaging presenters. On the episode, he shares his thoughts and tips on how to be more authentic and more engaging when you present, even when those presentations are happening virtually. We discuss how to improve your ability to improv, including going through an unrehearsed improv activity on the show, And we chat about the values of fun and being bold, which are important to our work at The Receptionist and how those show up and are taught in Jay's work at Pitch Lab. Enjoy the episode. Jay, we're really excited. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start off. Tell our listeners about Pitch Lab and what your role is there. Yep. So I'm managing partner at Pitch Lab. uh, And what we do is three things. We help client-facing teams, number one, differentiate from the competition. Number two, build stronger relationships. And number three, win more deals. And you do that in a very unique way. So how are you helping your clients do that? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So my background is uh, I've been selling for 22 years now, and I'm a sales consultant. And then back in 05, uh, I was actually an amateur stand-up comedian for about seven years. And uh, Sarah, I don't like to brag, but in Denver here, I was one of the biggest names in unpaid comedy. I love that. Congratulations. That's thanks. That's a big accolade. I mean, you should feel proud about that. One of the biggest names in Denver unpaid comedy. That's right. I love that. Okay. So you your company helps people become more engaging presenters. Tell us a little bit more about what that actually means. Yeah, well, engaging is kind of a buzzword. To me, what engaging means is really being worth paying attention to, right? Uh, worth putting down the phone for worth not multitasking for. So to me, what engaging means is attention is so scarce nowadays. So how do you do what you can to make sure that the time you're getting either in front of your team, uh, in front of your boss, or even in front of clients, what do you do to make sure that time is valuable and you're making the best of it? And so tell us a little bit more about how your background as a comedian actually helps you help others become more engaging presenters? Yeah. So actually what we do is there was a point in my career where I was still getting a ton of stage fright when I was doing large presentations, when I was doing any type of speaking in front of groups. But yet on the comedy side, I was able to get up on stage and tell jokes. And I started analyzing it and say, what's at the intersection here? Really, what's at the intersection of sales and stand-up comedy? And uh, that was the idea where Pitch Lab was born. And what we do is we break down the techniques that your favorite comedians use on stage, whether they're stand-up comedians or uh, improv comedians. We break down those techniques and then give our folks uh, that attend our workshops actionable techniques on how to be more confident, authentic, uh, and engaging. That's great. And we'll get into some more of those pieces. But you mentioned that you used to have stage fright. And this idea of public speaking, especially to large groups, can be really stressful. So can you share with us some of those go-to tricks or things that you're teaching in these workshops? You don't have to give everything away, but can you yeah, give us sure. just a, no, a little bit of info? I, I can I can give you a bunch. So the first thing is, 
is everyone gets stage fright. And if someone tells you they don't get stage fright ever, they're absolutely lying. They really are. And what I mean by that is tell me someone that says they'll never get stage fright and I'll be able to find a context where the stakes are high enough, where the context is there, and they will get stage fright. And we, we get stage fright because we care. There's a bunch of ways to combat it. Some are good techniques I've heard, some not so good. Uh, but the best thing for me personally is when I think about it, I think about it's not about killing the butterflies. It's about getting the butterflies to fly in formation. So what I mean by that is some of the some of the symptoms I get when I get stage fright is um, rapid breathing, right? Like I can't, I feel like I can't catch my breath or I, I get a little bit lightheaded. Like, do I want to stand up? Do I want to sit down? All these symptoms, what I've learned over time is all these symptoms that we talk about when we talk about stage fright, they're actually closer to excitement than they are to calming down. So the takeaway is, is you don't actually, when you start feeling those, that nervousness and those butterflies and that anxiety, the wrong thing to do is calm down. The right thing to do is change that lens and look at it instead of an op as instead of a threat is an opportunity. And the three words that I use to do that are, I am excited. I am excited. So if I'm getting ready to talk instead of, you know, succumbing to those feelings, I just keep saying to myself, I am excited. I am excited. And if you do use this technique, caution, um, you're not necessarily going to feel any better. But what science shows us is by reframing that threat as an opportunity, when you get up, you're actually going to perform better, whether that's, you know, you're doing a talk in front of your team, you're in front of clients, or it's Saturday night, and you're going to do karaoke. It's really about changing that perspective. I'm glad you said that because I wanted to clarify, you said earlier about how people um, can use these strategies for speaking in public, but now you also said this is great for if you need to talk to your boss, if it's within your own company, within your team, these are strategies. It sounds like if you're a little uncomfortable in any sort of public presenting scenario. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, when we first started Pitch Lab, I was convinced it would be a room full of salespeople and entrepreneurs. And it was so interesting to see as we put out public workshops to figure out who our audience really is, project managers, right? Uh, folks that were approaching uh, the middle of their career where they never had to be in a leadership role. And all of a sudden, they're standing in front of their team of 7, 10, or 15, and they have to speak, even if it's in the office. And even sometimes technical resources where you get a really smart you know, subject matter expert, technologist, scientist, where you figure, I'm never going to be you know, standing and presenting, but all of a sudden, your company wants you to join the sales team and uh, be part of the presentation to demonstrate value during a pitch. Um, so it's, it, it really does span a lot of folks. Yeah, you touched on this word briefly about being authentic. Can you talk to us a little bit, your thoughts on being authentic when it comes to presenting and storytelling? Yeah, absolutely. The best definition I've ever heard of authentic is the ability to speak one's truth without the fear of being judged. Could you imagine? Wouldn't that be nice? I was going to say that's hard. That's, <laughs> I think that's a great definition and also really challenging because. I think a lot of times people are judging. It's not just in our heads, right? We are often wired to place value on things and to judge. So that would be a fantastic place to be speaking from. That's absolutely right. And so what happens is, is when I coach um, client-facing teams and salespeople, 
And let's say they're trying to, for the first time, explain a technology they truly don't understand. You see these salespeople trying to pitch this and trying to present it. Their body language is horrible. It's full of um, uh, uh, um. And then I stop them and I say, stop, stop. Clear your head. Tell me about your favorite holiday ever. Tell me about your favorite childhood Christmas. Tell me about a funny story about your dog. And as soon as I ask them a question like that, they stop, their body language is, is better, their ums and ahs are gone. And why is that? It's because now they're speaking authentically. So when I think of the word uh, you know, presentation skills or public speaking, and I think of authenticity, we're all going to be put in a point in our career where you don't always know a thousand percent, you know, you're, you're not a subject matter expert. But the more you can be prepared, the more you can truly understand your subject the more authentic you're going to be. So my advice is, as far as takeaways, is if you are a salesperson or you are an account manager and you feel like you're getting yourself into a situation that's inauthentic, you know, A, what can you do to prepare better? If that's not really an option because the, the, the technology is so deep, how can you turn it into a team cell? How can you bring someone along that can speak authentically about the technology where you can do your thing and then you can come together? But I really think at the end of the day, you know, staying in the place where you understand what you're talking about, where you could speak from the heart, where you can drop the script, that's going to be the best way to go. I love that. I was going to ask, how can people be authentic? Because that's a great place to be speaking from. I'm curious about your thoughts, though. A lot of us are working remotely and we're having to give these virtual presentations and it can be hard to feel like you're engaging when you're sitting in a room by yourself. So are there other considerations for how to be engaging and authentic? in this sort of changing landscape of how we speak to people? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I've had to go through this since March as well. I get a ton of energy from being in a room, right? Being on a marker board, presenting to a group of people live, and now we just can't. So over time, I've learned a few tips on Zoom uh, that's absolutely helped. But the first thing I want to say as a disclaimer is if you're not feeling the same presenting or speaking on Zoom as you do in person, you're not alone. You're not alone. Uh, A lot of extroverts that got that energy from being in a room, you're giving it into Zoom and you're just not getting it back, unfortunately. So that's a a real thing. Again, though, we are in Zoom. Here's my favorite like four or five takeaways. The first two are easy. And I think, I believe you actually sent them to me as far as, hey, prepare. Uh, The first one is obvious. You got to get your light source in front of you. Right, just like just like you're taking a picture with a camera, if the light source is behind you, you're going to look dark and terrible, and it's going to be a huge shadow. You got to get the light source in front of you. The second one, that's the easy, easy fix: get your camera the same height as your face. I still see a ton of folks that are talking to you like this or looking <laughs> up your nose. Do what you got to do. You don't have to buy an expensive piece of furniture, right? I mean, get some old Zappos boxes. Get your Dust, get, blow the dust off your Encyclopedia Britannicas. Do what you got to do to get your laptop camera higher. The third one is uh, super important, especially when you're doing a lot of Zoom conferences in gallery view. So when you're in gallery view, let's say I'm looking at someone and I'm looking at their face in the bottom right. Do you see my eyes now? My eyes are no longer looking at you, right? Yeah. So you got to remember, even when you want to look at who you're speaking to, you got to be cognizant of where that camera is. Now, that doesn't mean I need to be staring into the camera the whole time, but if you scan the gallery view, that's great. You want to look away from the camera, 
but at least a half to a third, a, a half to two thirds of the time, you need to be looking into that camera. And what that does is even if, even if looking in the camera takes away your facial expressions where I can't read you anymore, it's still helping me connect with you because you feel that I'm really speaking with you and I'm really listening to you by looking into that camera. Last two are real easy. Number one, you would be surprised how much better energy you have. Get out of the chair, bring your camera higher, and just stand up for your most important presentations. It sounds simple. I'm still seeing a ton of salespeople sit, and it's really hard to get a lot of great, engaging energy. Uh, and then the last one, this is a, a phenomenon I've really noticed, is everyone's favorite way to Zoom is microphone muted and camera off. Everybody, if they have their choice, they want that real passive experience, right? They just want to sit back. They don't want to be interacted with. They don't want to be spoken to. So if you are leading, you know, let's say you're leading your team or you're leading a larger presentation where, you know, there's multiple stakeholders from your clients, don't just throw out blanket statements like, did that make sense? Any questions? When you throw out a very general question like that, you're not going to get an answer from the audience. But if I said, Sarah, how did I articulate that one? Boom. Now you know, okay, I got to come off a of mute. Jay wants to talk to me. And then Sarah says, you know, you say, hey, that was great. I say, hey, does everybody agree with Sarah? So um, you need to reach a little bit deeper by using names. And then once you get the feedback from whoever you're speaking with, you ask the room, hey, do you agree? Do you disagree? And it kind of opens it up for conversation a little better. But, uh, you know, the truth is you're going to have to try harder on Zoom to get that interaction. Yeah, those are great tips, both practically how you set yourself up and then what you can do within those opportunities where you are speaking to groups. So that's great. I want to go back to something you said a little bit ago about um, when you're the subject matter expert, you can be authentic. You probably have your plans for what you're going to say. But I think sometimes people get so locked in to their pitch or their story or what they're going to say that it can be hard to go off of that script and to improv. So what are your tips for, for how to do that, to be your subject matter expert, to know your material, but to also be able to pivot, is a word many of us like these days, to be able to pivot to something else within your presentation? That's awesome. That's a great question. Well, let me start off first, because that's a, there's a lot in there. But to unpack it, let me start off first. Um, I just recently had the opportunity to, uh, to coach 18 semifinalists in Denver Startup Week's pitch competition. And I want to tell you, going over two and a half weeks looking at those presenters, there is a vast difference in the authenticity of a presenter or an entrepreneur or salesperson that is memorizing a script word for word versus someone that has a few bullet points. They know what they want to say on each slide, but they're really trying to turn it into a conversation and they're really just trying to get their point across. So the first thing I always tell any of my presenters is you have to drop the script. Now, I know that's scary, but you have to drop the script. What I want you to do is know the punchline, know the main two bullets of each slide, one or two bullets of each slide. Make sure you hit those main points, but you got to drop the script. Uh, back early in my comedy career, I had my first opportunity at the big comedy club here was Comedy Works. They gave me two minutes to get on stage. I memorized like two minutes and 15 seconds worth of jokes. And I'm like, ready, go. And, you know, I'm, I'm just reading off these words off of the back of my eyelids as fast as I can. But the challenge there is, number one, you don't leave any room for breathing and, and really improvisation and anything organic. Uh, number two, I was stepping on laughs. And number three, if there's any hecklers or 
you know, a plate of, a plate of drinks crash, all of a sudden that throws you off and you're like, well, where was I in my memorization as opposed to really being there in the moment? The second part of your question I'd love to address is the number one thing that's helped me personally and helps the teams I coach is you got to remember your audience doesn't want perfection. They want connection. So more than a perfect polished pitch with mannerisms, and I nailed every single word I said, they want to connect with you. They want to get to know you as a person, and they want to feel like they just built a little bit of relationship and spent some time with the real you. So I'll give you a perfect example. Some folks get crazy about their ums and ahs. And um, there's, a, there's a technology, Google has a technology called uh, Duplex. Have you heard of Google Duplex at all? I have not. So Google Duplex is artificial intelligence that will call a restaurant for you and they'll, it'll make a, a reservation for you or it'll call your favorite hair salon and make an appointment for you. And it actually sounds like a human. Like that's the kicker. Like it sounds like a human being and the person on the other end has no idea that they're talking to artificial intelligence. Guess what Google did to make their robots sound more human? Just add, just add ums and us. You got it. You got <laughs> it. So think about that. So while we're going crazy with ums and ahs, and did I move and did I memorize this perfectly? Google is making robots sound more human by adding filler words. So, so the funny. punchline there is to say, are you trying to make a connection? Are you being yourself? And are you trying to make a connection over being perfect? That's going to get you thousands of times farther than than being like i nailed it like I, I just don't know that anybody really cares about that level of perfection especially right now in 2020 yeah that's a really good point that's so interesting i'm sure people are out there googling to have this uh duplex make their calls for them um so i wanted to get to to some of the values that that are important for us here at the receptionist and having fun is very important and i'm guessing it is for you as well with your background so how does fun come into play when presenting? And do you talk about this explicitly with your clients? I do. There's, there's two parts to this answer. Number one, I pitch lab and I never, ever recommend teaching someone how to be funny. You don't, you just don't in a business setting, you don't teach people how to be funny. Being funny is so subjective, but I do like to think fun. So instead of funny, I think how can you open up with some type of personal story that maybe a little bit shows a little bit of your vulnerability? Um, how can you do things that are fun to lighten the mood as opposed to being funny? Um, how I bring this into my workshops and, and when I work with my clients is a few ways. Uh, the first one is the most, the most successful way is I have this thing called comedy karaoke, where I take jokes from famous one-liner comedians like Rita Rudner, Dimitri Martin. I have Stephen Wright. And uh, Mitch Hedberg. And what we do is to get rid of some of these butterflies, or maybe not get rid of, but to work on your butterflies and to work on dramatic pause, we have we have the team team members get up in front of the room and just read one-liners from comedians and get up and really keep it light and have fun. The second one is any type of improvisation exercises. Uh, you can Google beginner improv exercises. Mirroring is a great one, one-word story to help your team let go a little bit, stay in the moment, be better listeners. And, and really and really just have fun with it. And then the third one is uh, at Pitch Lab, I've made a bunch of mock pitch decks, like uh, energy drinks for zoo animals, meat water, prescription windshields. And the idea here is sometimes 
teams get so wrapped up in their company's messaging and am I saying the right thing? Am I presenting this case study right? We're losing the ability to practice these fundamental skills of getting on, you know, on Zoom or getting in front of a room and really practicing these, these presentation skills. So I recommend anything that can make it a little bit lighter where you can really get that practice. Well, you mentioned a couple exercises and I know you uh, had wanted to maybe do that with us today. So let's pick one. Let's do one really quick before we get to the end of the episode of uh, an activity or an exercise that, uh, that our listeners could do to help them improve their comfort and their ability to speak in any setting, really. Okay. Awesome. So Let's do one word story. And you you have a theater background, is that correct? Uh, yes, sneakily, I okay. do. Okay, so one word story. All that is, is you and I are going to come together and we're going to cohesively tell a very short story one word at a time. Oh, yep, I know this one. <laughs> and the reason why this is super important is because number one, a lot of times salespeople, uh, especially salespeople, they say they're great listeners, but they're listening just waiting for their chance to respond. They're not truly being present and listening. And when you truly can get present, that's when the magic really happens. So when we do an exercise like one word stories, or when you're with your team and you do a one word story exercise, I no longer get to lead the story, but neither do you. We have to rely on each other to collaboratively build it. So um, I'll pick the subject. Uh, Let's go with um, New Year's Eve. How's that sound? Sounds good. Okay, so I'll I'll start. Okay. Uh, New Year's Eve. I love to go in the car on my favorite ride. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) There we go. I didn't know where the story was going. You weren't able to control the story. But by going back and forth like that, we both had to rely on each other and we both really had to be in the moment. Improvisation is scary. There's no preparation. There's no planning. But if you can do these types of exercises with your team over and over again, when they get that curveball, when they get asked these questions, right, it's really going to be something that, uh, that helps them be able to thrive in that moment and really differentiate themselves. Thank you for doing that with me. Yeah, definitely. And I should say my theater background is way, way back when. So, but I have it. So for people who are maybe not so comfortable with these, it's okay. It's very normal to not feel okay as you start these and to kind of be panicking on the inside, but it will get easier. So I still get like that. I know. Me too. I was like, oh no, what's going to happen? So as we wrap up the episode today, we, we value being bold. I mean, that was a little bit bold to just be like, let's just see what happens in this story. So how is this value relevant to your work and how can people embody being bold? Yeah. So I love that question because at the end of the day, when it comes to presentation skills, there is no substitute for repetition. There's no substitute for practice. So when we talk about being bold and you just said it and I admitted it, everyone gets stage fright. Everyone is uncomfortable being put on the spot, especially if you care about the outcome. So when we talk about being bold, I can sit here in my pitch lab workshops and give you tip after tip after tip. But if you're not going out and practicing it, if you're not going out and getting the repetition, it's never going to stick. So if you want to be bold, find a way to do a Zoom presentation in front of folks where the stakes aren't as high, right? Most salespeople learn by presenting to important clients. That's crazy to me. 
right? Comedians, that's why they go to open mics in dive bars and tell jokes to folks that are barely listening because it's helping them hone their craft. So whether you believe in Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours to make a master or not, you got to get the repetitions. So what I mean by being bold, find a meetup where you can speak, find any type of opportunity where you know something more than the group, go out there and get the practice. Like I said, whether that's karaoke, whether that's some type of public speaking, whether that's an opportunity for a presentation to a free meetup group, whatever you can do, if you want to be bold, you got to get out there because there's no substitute for practice. Well, Jay, thank you so much. These have been some really fantastic tips that are hugely actionable for our listeners. And we appreciate having you on the show today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you again to Jay Mays from Pitch Lab for his actionable advice on how to become a more authentic and engaging presenter. On behalf of the team here at The Receptionist, thanks for listening to The Fabric Podcast. If you'd like to know more about what we do, go to thereceptionist.com where you can watch webinars, read blogs, and even sign up for a 14-day free trial, no credit card required. See you on the next episode.